Chapter 3 From what I understand, the complexion of this homogeneous white bread area has changed quite a bit in recent decades, owing to the availability of jobs at the turkey plant, which supports so many families in the region. Asians, Hispanics, and Africans, including refugees from the Civil War in Somalia, are now all part of what makes up this little burg of barren. For me, until I got to college, I had only white kids for classmates. Racism, in hindsight, is something that can lie dormant in the soul, only surfacing when something comes along to wake it up. Growing up, though, it seemed a non-issue in my life. When everyone you live around has essentially the same color skin, it just never comes up. It's interesting to realize, then, that when I got into high school, living in a farming community as we were, the students developed their own version of racism. It was the farmers versus the jocks. The farmers wore a special jacket, a navy blue jean jacket made of velvety soft material, emblazoned with their name and the Future Farmers of America, FFA, logo. The jocks had their letter jackets. Personally, I still have my letter sweater. One year, when I was a junior or senior in high school, the farmers had had their fill of watching perky cheerleaders and strapping football or basketball players walk off with the crowns at prom. So they devised a catchy chant for their prom queen choice. Debbie Prock, Debbie Prock, she's a farmer, not a jock. Repeat it over and over, loudly, at the pep rally, and you can guess who was our queen that year. It's entirely possible Debbie Prock was the most deserving person in our school to be elected queen. Or maybe she just had the best name for a chant. I was on the pom-pom squad, so didn't run in her circles. Actually, I wasn't in her grade, and with 200 or so kids in each class, it's not a complete surprise I had never heard of her. The point is, there was division, and there was tension. I don't recall any physical fights, although there probably were some, and I didn't have any angst of my own in this battle. But later in life, I would need to take a good hard look at how fractures of us versus them lived in me, even though I was raised in a part of the world where we really did sing Kumbaya around a campfire, more than once. While we lived in Barron, my parents were active singers in the Lutheran Church Choir, with my dad the choir director. My dad also sang bass in a barbershop quartet, once a year, there was a barbershop choir concert featuring numerous quartets and including at least one big act that came in from another region and sold their records during intermission. I still have one of them, and if I still owned a record player, it could make for some fine entertainment. One year, all the children of the barbershop singing dads were gathered in a choir and led onto the stage to sing the closing song, God Bless America. I was taken to rehearsals, but didn't understand what we were doing. This is my earliest recollection of the impact of, by and large, not being spoken to as a child. 
as I was being dressed for the concert, most likely done up using curlers in my hair, I still didn't know where we were going or what we were doing. Walking up on stage, puzzle pieces started falling together. Oh, this is what we're doing. I just remember thinking, did everyone else know this was the plan? The quartet my dad sang in was called the Butter Chords, and they were quite good. John was lead, Don was tenor, Jim was baritone, and my dad sang bass. My dad arranged many of their songs, and they practiced quite a lot. While never big time, they did actually make a record, recording at least some of it in our living room. When all of our families went camping together, the quartet would gather around the fire, and the entire campground would show up for the free concert. My favorite songs of theirs included Daddy Sang Bass, Just Looking, and The Preacher and the Bear. Well, the preacher, he went out walking, t'was on a Sunday morn. Of course, it was against his religion, but he took his gun along. He shot himself some mighty fine quail and one little measly hare. And on his way returning home, he met a great big grizzly bear. Well, the bear sat down in the middle of the road, as big as he could be. The preacher commenced to shake him, and he climbed up the cinnamon tree. The bear stood up, and he rolled his eyes, and he shook. From the lion's den, delivered Jonah from the belly of the whale, and then the Hebrew chin from the fiery furnace. So the good book do declare. Now, Lord, if you can't help me, for goodness sakes, don't you help that bear. Oh, Lord, Lord, if you can't help me, for goodness sakes, don't you help that bear. Well, the bear commenced to climb the tree, and that made the preacher sore. Well, the preacher he climbed up higher till he couldn't climb no more. Just about then that limb gave way, and they both come a tumbling down. When that preacher began to pray, you could hear him for miles around. Oh, Lord, you delivered them from the lion's den. Deliver Jonah from the belly of the whale, and then the Hebrew children from the fiery furnace, so the good book do declare. Now, Lord, if you can't help me, for goodness sakes, don't you help that bear. Oh, Lord, Lord, if you can't help me, for goodness sakes, don't you help that bear. Well, they fought all the way down to the river, and it was a terrible fight. That bear was really landed on, but the preacher was doing all right. He dragged that beast right down to the water. It was three times in and out. Now then the bear got loose and he lived away, and the preacher he began to shout, Oh Lord, oh Lord, you delivered Daniel from the lion's den, delivered Jonah from the belly of the whale, and then now Lord, it may not seem like much. From where you sit up there. But the hardest job I ever done was baptizing that bad Over time, barbershop singing has disbanded, and the world has lost something that was endearing and more than a little special. At Christmas time, our family joined with other families to go caroling in old folks' homes. 
As a kid, I found the smell of those places hard to take, and seeing the aging people without all their faculties wasn't easy. But I can now see that we were offering a gift that not many have experienced, either giving or receiving. Even today, now into his 80s, my dad regularly plays tuba with a group of big-hearted men and women who offer live music to people in senior citizen centers not far from where I grew up. This is a charity that is far more valuable than money and is most assuredly being gratefully received. The other musical group that my dad formed, and which endured for many decades, was called We Three. My dad sang bass and played the bass fiddle. Jim Sockness sang and played the tambourine and kazoo, and Don Reedy sang and played the guitar and banjo. They would dress in matching outfits, back when white shoes and a white belt were in style, and I thought they were awesome. Their genre was folk music, and among my favorites was Lizzie Borden. So we better tell you the ballad of Lizzie Borden. Elizabeth Borden took an axe and gave her papa 40 wax. And when the job was nicely done, she gave her mama 41. Yesterday in Old Fall River, Mr. Andrew Borden died, and they got his daughter Lizzie on the charge of homicide. Some folks say she didn't do it, others say of course she did. But they all agree Miss Lizzie B was a problem kind of kid. Oh, you can chop your mama up in Massachusetts, not even if it's Oh, you can't drop your mama up in Massachusetts. You know how neighbors love to criticize. <laughs> well, she got him on the sofa where he went to take a snooze. I hope he went to heaven, because he wasn't wearing shoes. Lizzie kindly rearranged him for the hatchet, so they say. And then she got her mama in that same old-fashioned way. Oh, you can't drop your mama up in Massachusetts, not even if you're tired of her cuisine. Oh, you can chop your mama up in Massachusetts. You know it's almost sure to cause a scene. Oh, they really kept her hot on that busy afternoon. With some down and upstairs chopping while she hung her eggs on you. They really made her hustle, and when all was said and done, uh, she removed her mother's bustle when. She wasn't wearing one. Oh, you can't chop your mama up in Massachusetts. And then blame all the damage on the mice. On the mice. Oh, you can't chop your mama up in Massachusetts. That kind of thing just isn't very nice. Now, it wasn't done for pleasure. And it wasn't done for spite. And it wasn't done because the lady wasn't very bright. She always did the slightest thing that mom and daddy did. They said, Lizzie, cut it out! And that's exactly what she did. Oh, you can chop your mama up in Massachusetts. And then go up for a walk, for a walk. Oh, you can chop your mama up in Massachusetts. Massachusetts is a far cry from New York. Oh, you can chop your mama up in Massachusetts. Shut the door, lock and latch it. Here comes Lizzie with a brand new house. Oh, you can chop your mama up in Massachusetts. Such a snob.
Bob, I've heard it said she met her pa and cut him dead. Catch off your mama, Philly, Massachusetts. Jump like a fish, jump like a porpoise, all join hands and baby is purpose. Catch off your mama, Philly, Massachusetts, Massachusetts, Philly.